0: Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. Uh, really excited about our guest today. Uh, Michael Lombardi is a longtime football executive in the NFL. Uh and he's been on Fox, and he does pregame NFL Network. He does the Ringer uh, podcast, uh, you know, on football three times a week during the season. And and I, I tell you, what, he and if you follow him on uh, Twitter at m Lombardi NFL, it, it, the guy is just—he's a very bright guy. You can tell right off the bat. But man, he's a guy that's had so much experience: Oakland Raiders, Cleveland Browns, San Francisco Forty ers and New England Patriots. He's worked for so many great people: the Al Davises, the Bill Walsh, the Belichick's, and and, and what he's because of his uh, you know incredible passion for football and his amazing intellect, he really is focused in on leadership and about coaching, and that's why I wanted to share this with you. I have learned, Kevin Eastman has learned, all the people that are really into continual education on coaching have all focused on football. Football coaches are a little bit ahead of us, putting it mildly, than the basketball guys. And I think they offer a different perspective that can really help take you to the next level. I think you're really going to enjoy Mike Lombardi. After this break, we'll go right to him. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine, of coaching you for the last two years to learn more about dr dish log on to dr or follow them on twitter at dr dish b ball i told you we're going to have an incredible guest today someone that i have just followed for years to a couple of mutual friends michael lombardi I'm not sure, Michael, I was going to call you a football executive extraordinaire. You're a media personality. You're a best-selling author now. How do you describe yourself?
1: Oh, geez, I don't know. I mean, I think the thing about the, I'm, a, I'm a work in progress, I think, is the best way to describe myself. I, I, I really like to learn a lot about a lot of different things, and I just happen to work in football, but, you know, I'm as fascinated as basketball. I think some of our mutual friends are because of my fact destination with basketball and I love hoops and so it's really just a work in progress I think coach Raveling has has it best uh when he says he's just a collector of books and I think that would be a good description
0: you know I, I I you know again since my my dear friend Eric Musselman uh was coaching the Warriors and uh and then when he unfortunately got let go, he, he talk, called me. I, I would talk to Eric every day and I'd say, how are you doing, man? You know, as you know, when you get fired, you know, it's it, all of a sudden you don't get too many calls. And I'd say, E, how are you doing, man? He said, uh, I'm doing great. He said, uh, a good friend, Michael Lombardi, gave me an office in, in, the, in the Raiders place and said, come and use it. And and that just changed his world, you know, for him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous coach, you know, and, and I'm so happy for his success at Reno. But I never doubted his success. The one thing I've always admired about Eric was he was not in coaching Brendan, for the pomp and circumstance. He wasn't in it for the, you know, the hotel suites and the, and the per diem on the road. He was in it because he liked to coach. And so whether it was at San Diego, LSU, Arizona State, the uh, Lakers, D-League team, it didn't matter. And everywhere he went, he won. You know, and I think Reno is so fortunate to have such a great coach and great recruiter.
0: Well, Eric, uh, you know, we I go back to his dad, but also uh, I loved coaching against Eric. We coached against each other in the CBA. After 15 years in the NBA, I went and took a CBA job to see if all my ideas as an assistant coach, I learned sitting next to Chuck would work as a head coach. And I got the pleasure of coaching against Eric, which makes you a better coach. And uh, we used to have so much fun competing. And when you're into minor leagues like that, it's lonely. There's lonely. No one, no one knows you're even working and stuff. And uh, it was great to have a good friend like that. But the thing that uh, that I've admired about you, I love following you on Twitter. Your your takes on everything are incredible, uh, both in and out of football. But uh, what I what I've noticed over the years is you have so many varied interests. You you, you love football. You're phenomenal at football. You know talent, uh, but. You know, you, then you know when I've seen you do media stuff, with, you know, uh, on, on the air broadcasting, and now as an author, you're like a Renaissance man to me, in that you have all <laughs> these interests and stuff, and that's that's so cool.
1: You know, it's it comes from reading. You know, when I was with, and I talk about this in Gridiron Genius, I was in a car with Coach Bella, Coach Walsh, and he was very much about making sure that you learned other things than just football. He did not want you to be. You know, uh 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 a uh, uh, uh who just did one thing. He wanted you to expand your mind and expand your horizons. And so he forced me to read Tom Peters. He forced me to read Warren Bennis, and He forced me to read. I mean, wow. my college roommate, who's made a fortune in, in the dot-com industry, laughs that I actually read a book because he never saw me read one in college. So it's <laughs> it's always funny how that works out. But it's true. I mean, you know, you get your motivation when, in certain ways, and Coach gave it to me. And that's really, I've been on a lifelong journey to learn things.
0: You know, talk to me about... You know, uh, Coach Belichick's uh, one of the people... That I, I, as a basketball person, uh, study football coaches more than basketball because I think they're so far ahead. And I think their organization is beyond reproach. And I, and I just have... Even though Belichick's personality and mine are totally the opposite, uh, I love him. I love what he stands for. And, uh, you know, friends of mine that uh, have got, gotten up to see him, whether it be Doc Rivers or Billy Donovan... They walk away and they just say, "Wow, this guy yeah. is so good." And he and Belichick loves basketball like so many football guys and stuff. What makes Bill so such a good coach?
1: God, that's such a hard question to answer. I mean, first of all, his universal knowledge of every aspect of the game. I mean, if the wide receiver coach got sick one day, he would coach the receivers,
0: <laughs> you know.
1: And if the you know and if the general manager didn't show up, which of course he is, but He's got an insatiable appetite to learn. He's curious. He's one of the best listeners I've ever been around. Uh, you know, he wants to learn new things. He's not afraid to try different things. And, you know, he, he's he got a belief and a core principle about culture and about how he wants to do his program, and he sticks to it, and, and he's very disciplined. I mean, I, I was on the phone with him the other day, and we're, we're talking about the 2019 draft because he's already working on it. Like, there's no there's no – uh, grass growing under his feet at all He's constantly at work And people want to be like him But they don't understand how hard he works at what he does And he's a great Great person to He doesn't spend eight hours a day in the uh, Like on vacation in Nantucket Just doing football He might take two hours every night And just tinker around But it's two full hours of total concentration And he puts his heart There's really no He doesn't multitask in the sense of when he's doing a project. He does a lot of things, but he does the one thing really well when he's working on it.
0: Talk about, uh, you know, I, I, I'm so fascinated uh, by Bill Walsh and I've read his books. I love him. And what was it like being around Bill Walsh, who I think is probably one of the great coaches we've ever had in any sport in our country?
1: It was scary. It was scary for me. My palms still sweat when I think about him because I was a young kid. I had just left uh, UNLV. I was a coach at UNLV. And I was at a recruiting coordinator there, and I got this job, and basically became his driver, and and worked in the scouting department. And when he needed something, he would call. And he just had a different perspective. It was refreshing. He he was very much. It, it was fascinating for me because he did not like scouts. He wasn't a big scout guy. I was a scout. I was learning in the scouting department. And the reason he wasn't infatuated with scouts was he just felt they were a bunch of the old co- old bad coaches now telling good coaches what to do and so he always would tell me you know don't act like a scout study the sport understand the game understand the game from a coaching aspect that'll make you a better scout and work at your craft don't just sit there i mean his standards of excellence is something that people really don't understand about bill walsh everybody equates him with the west coast offense and that's true he was great with that but where his true brilliance came in was with a standard believed in and those qualities that you had to have. And laying that culture within the 49er organization, which what made it so successful. And when guys have left and they don't take that culture with them, they've not been successful. They take the West Coast offense with them, but they don't take the culture and they can't have the same success. And it's the same thing with Belichick. It's hard to duplicate his culture. It's hard to duplicate what he does. It's what I call... The, the Sinatra laser shoe problem. You know, when Sinatra back in the early, back in the late 60s and 70s became out of style because he wore a coat and tie, he switched to a laser suit and he just never looked right. You know, it just wasn't who Frank Sinatra was. Frank Sinatra was a was a hat and coat and tie guy and he lost who he was. And that's a little bit about people do with the culture. They lose it at times, not Belichick and not Walsh.
0: You know, you got what would be to me, you know, a dream of being able to work with a, with Belichick. You only got to do that towards uh, the end here, right? I mean, you'd always been well, working. no, We at, started
1: together in, 1991 in Cleveland, it, in Cleveland. Actually, uh, that's it's right. A great story. Okay. Okay. Uh, Art model, the owner of the Cleveland Browns, we had just come off a three and 13 season. We were horrendous. We were all basically going to get fired. He wanted to hire Mike white, the former Cal coach, Remember? the former Raider coach. And it was a, that was a, battle and finally Bob Knight the head coach at Indiana called Art Modell up and basically said on the phone and I'm paraphrasing Art I grew up in Orville Ohio I grew up in Cleveland Browns Stadium I am a Browns fan true and true you need to hire Bill Belichick as your next head coach and he did he listened to
0: him and that's
1: how I got to meet Belichick
0: how about that yeah you know i was i'm north jersey and i'm you know i'm a new york giants fan as a kid growing up and so i'm parcells and belichick when they arrive you know i'm like right. I'm, I'm digging in on those guys and i love them and you know and belichick you know i was just saying a hey, good smart young assistant what was he like now moving over as a head coach
1: he was exactly the same. He got stereotyped as being a Parcells wannabe, yeah. but he never was Parcells. Totally he was different. his own man. Yes, yeah. He was authentic. One thing about Belichick that I think a lot of young coaches miss out on is you got to be authentic. It's like I talked about with the Sinatra problem. He wasn't authentic in the leisure shoot. You need to be authentic in who you are. You can't copy someone else. He might have copied Parcells' lack of answers at a press conference, but he was his own man was very very calm on the sidelines but learned a lot from Parcells and they were different coaches Parcells uh, Parcells if they were both in the home building business Parcells would probably build five great homes a year Belichick would probably build just one a year you know they was meticulous he was detailed conscious and Parcells had a great ability to see everything from 30,000 feet Mm -hmm. Belichick as well and so it was a great learning experience for Bill, I believe, and it was a great one for me because I got the best of both worlds. I got a little bit of parcels coming from Belichick, and I got all of Belichick when he came in
0: ninety one. And you got to, it, when it, he and-
1: came in 91 go ahead i'm sorry no i'm
0: saying uh, you you know and you're you're from south jersey so you didn't know that north jersey language that parcells was able to teach you either you know that we no
1: no it it was interesting no i mean you know when you grow up in south jersey you're basically in philadelphia jersey's the one state in the union that the line is crossed at trenton when you're south of trenton you're from philadelphia when you're north of trenton you're from new york and so uh (laughs) yeah i i was truly a philadelphian raised guy and North Jersey was another world away for me, but look, Parcells is, you know, I could pick up the phone today and call Parcells and I would learn three things. He has such unique ability to see the game from 30,000 feet and the perspective and it, it's unique. And his ability to really think things through and solve problems is, is one of the great things of all time.
0: Lawrence Frank, the, you know, the guy that's running the Clippers now, uh, North Jersey guy, he, He's very close to Parcells and goes to him all the time for advice and how to, you know, build an organization and stuff like that. And I, and I think that's masterful on Lawrence's part. You know, he, he knows, and that's what Lawrence's strength is, is organization. So he, that's what he wanted. And that's what, you know, he, he just delves into spending days with him and stuff, you know, which is, which is phenomenal. we wrote The Gridiron Genius, you know, I love the title, "A Master Class in Winning Championships," which I love, and building dynasties in the NFL, which is so. I mean, I, I mean, you talk about guys that have done it—the three people that you talked about before, the Al Davises, the Bill Walsh, and the Belichick's—and and probably only the Steelers are ones that we could kind of include in that thing, type of thing. The amazing people. What is the consistency you found in all of those?
1: Well, I think it's their, their work ethic, their their absolute passion for what they believe in. I mean, Al believed in, in – you know, Al was influenced – not many people realize this, but the uniform of the Raiders was the Detroit Lions silver and the West Point Cadets Black. And he was influenced by the Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Yankees. He wanted to have the Dodgers be in the Raiders, and he wanted the Yankees' power in the Raiders. And he loved George Weiss, the former general manager of the Yankees, who is credited with reducing Mickey Mantle's salary after he won the MVP in the league, uh, But uh, you know, which is a different era. But anyway, so Al was passionate about what he believed and how to build a team, how to keep working at it. You know, both all three men, never were satisfied contentment wasn't in any other vocabulary belichick the day after the super bowl win he's working at it again i mean it's like they don't the winning doesn't ever get there and jackson brown has a great line in one of the songs he says he says we often forget about the losses and exaggerate the wins and all three men never forget the losses and they never exaggerate the wins
0: wow well, talk, talk, i know you're so big on leadership Uh, what does the, what does the nowadays coach have to have as far as leadership coaching today's young people?
1: Intelligence. You know, one thing I've learned in my life, you can be, you can be 80 years old or you could be 18 years old. Players will only listen to you if you can make them better. Mm -hmm. You've got to make them better. They're not, they're going to tune you out if you give them the old TV talk you got to make them better. You've got to learn your craft. That's one of the standards ex- of excellence with Walsh. You've got to be uniquely involved in your craft and understand it. How can I make this player better? What can I do to make him a better player? And then you'll have a cult following. You'll have people all over you. And that's what they have to do. Now, look, there's four principles of leadership that most coaches must have to be successful. I was It's in the book. I talked about it. I was working for the Browns and Art Modell moved the team to, to Baltimore and Belichick and I got fired uh, uh, before we didn't make the cut to Baltimore. Uh, and so I'm not
0: laughing at that. It's just great. No, the way it's, you say it's, it.
1: it's just, it's just reality. You know, yeah. it's, the, it's as, as Hyman Ross said in the Godfather, it's the business we chose. We can't make any mistakes. We can't apologize for it. So we were, uh, you know, I was out of work and I was supposed to go work for the Raiders, but Modell and, 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 uh, Davis were in an owner's fight between who was going to offset the salary. Al didn't really want to pay me any money, but he wanted me to work for him. And Modell didn't want me to work for him. and was willing to pay me all the money. So I couldn't do anything because if I would have left, Modell would have stopped paying me and I had two young kids. So I sat in my beach house in New Jersey wondering what was going to happen. And the Rams called me up and they asked me to do a project about what it took to be a great coach. And it was the greatest thing I ever did in my life. I I spent three months studying coaches, and I studied leadership. And I learned that there's four areas of leadership that really apply. And the first area is called management of attention, which means you grab people's attention by your talking. What you say and how you say, you grab their attention. And then there's the management of meeting. Parcells is brilliant at this. How you explain it. You know, you use metaphors. I mean, when we watch coaches mic'd up, the ones that we resonate to are outstanding in the area of management of meaning. And then there's the management of self, being self-critical, being able to accept blame and not always put it on the players. And then there's the management of trust. The players must trust you. The players must trust your actions are going to be consistent. You can be a jerk, but you got to be a consistent jerk. You can drive them hard, but you got to drive them hard all the time. And so those four areas, and what I learned was – that the great coaches are always good in three of the four. The Belichick's good in all four. But the bad coaches usually have trust and self-issues. And so when you do that, you end up having a great year, bad year, but you'll end up losing out. So as a young coach, you have to be good in all four areas. And one of the things you have to be able to do is you got to be able to have confrontation with players. And that comes from Knowledge. You can't just yes the players to death or be scared of the players because they might say something bad about you in the press and you can't get a head coaching job. you got to be able to tell what you believe, stand on your principles, and make them better. And I think those are the four areas that make you a great coach.
0: Uh, Michael, tell, tell, if you would, uh, explain to our coaches in, in the NFL, the head coach's role is what and then oh, the coordinators are okay, so what? when i
1: started in the league the head coach was a head coach he ran everything right we've become a subcontracting league now yes so most coaches are subcontractors which i just absolutely hate because the team gets their personality from their head coach yes the team gets their their toughness from the head coach the team gets who they are from their head coach when you go this subcontracting route you might win Or you might not. And so the NFL is filled with subcontractors. It's one of the things I don't like about the league. Belichick's a head coach. Everything runs through Belichick. If I could record anything about Belichick's time together in Cleveland or New England would be his night before the game staff meeting with the coaches where he goes over what's going to happen in the game and how he wants the game to go, and the first third down call, the first fourth down call he wants, how he wants to play the game, who he wants to see early in the game, who he's keeping his eye on. He lays it all out there like a leader would, and I think that's really the way mm-hmm. it should be. What's happened to our league is we've become a league of specialization. I know offense, so therefore i hire a defensive coach and go there. Sean McVay, great young offensive coach. When he's standing over on the sidelines while the defense is on the field, you know, that worked for him last year. I just have a hard time thinking it's going to continue to work as teams, as years go
0: on. And just defer to the wisdom of his great defensive coordinator uh, who's over, you know, twice his age type of thing. Yeah, I Ex- got
1: exactly. Now, you know, look, it's smart to have. I mean, I give him a lot of credit for hiring a guy like Wade. But yeah. if he loses Wade, does the program fall apart? See, this is where yep. you get, this is like, it's like the, you know, you know, you've college recruited in your life and the guy that recruits a fertile area and he leaves all of a sudden, you don't have any recruiting in that area. It's the same thing with assistant coaches. When you're subjected to the whim of the assistant, your program is very tenuous, but when you're subjected to the head coaches running everything, it's not.
0: Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. FastModel has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software. FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy to use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. Doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastCout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional scouting reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams Talk about talent acquisition in business, in sport. Critical.
1: You know, it, it so much is, but I think here's the way it is. I, I tell this all the time to people. The FBI doesn't start looking at the uh, for serial killers in the phone book. They set up a profile. So the number one thing you have to do, if you called Belichick up and said, look, I'm interested in hiring Coach Y, Belichick's question, answer back to you would not be a description of Coach Y. He would ask you, what are you looking for? What do you want? And then if Coach Y fit what you were looking for what you want, he might give the recommendation. But if Coach Y didn't, he's not going to do that. And so you have to know what you're looking for in a, in a player. You have to define it specifically to the detail. You have to know what you're looking for in an assistant coach, what do you want from a anybody. Mm-hmm. Anybody you hire, you have to f- define it perfectly, and then you go out and search for the people that have those characteristics and qualities that fit within there.
0: Uh, I couldn't agree more with you. And I see that as a problem, uh, especially when you have in basketball or football, you have these regional people. And everyone has their own tastes, especially if they've been doing it. You know, and in both sports, we have guys that have, you know, they're uh, guys that have been around and i don't want to say elderly but they're on in years and and now they have their own ideas and philosophy and stuff and it, it's got to be that of the head coach i believe you're 100 percent right michael talk about uh the formation of the idea of writing the book where'd that come from
1: well it's always been a part of what i was i mean i i initially wanted to to write a book because i was fortunate enough to work for such great people i wanted to write a book just about walsh and belichick and in the in my head i've always had the title of the bill of rights you know it was going to be a it was going to be a 10 chapter book like the bill of rights mm. and i was going to talk about walsh and belichick and, and it just morphed into more of a of a book about football and so i've always wanted to if you come to my home i probably have more autographed books i have no autographed jerseys i just have autographed books <laughs> so i love books and i love writers and so it was a combination of things and when i thought My career was coming to an end at the Raiders, which most careers always do. Al, at the the end of his life, became a little bit more difficult to deal with and and became really uh, hard to to work through. I, I knew I needed to find something that I could do, and I took a writing class in San Francisco, and... I tried to learn how to write a little bit and and try to tell a story and and hopefully because I knew one day I wanted to be a writer. And, you know, there's an old saying that there's three things a man has to do. He's got to plant a tree, have a son and write a book. And I wanted to do all three.
0: I'll tell you what, man. You, you, I would have killed to work with you, man. You are, you are right up my alley. I mean, I, I love the philosophy. I, you know, my whole thing in, in having having a ba- a family in football, or basketball, being part of a team is to uh, be around people that bring you up a notch each and every day and they're fun to work with. And Michael, you're a guy that would be unbelievably fun to work with because uh, every day would be, you'd be challenging me and everyone else in there about how to get better. And I think that's great. What was the biggest thing that you wanted to get across in the book?
1: A culture. I think the most important thing is culture. I, I, I think that what most owners don't understand is they set the, they, they modify the culture. They They're the ones that have to do it. You can't You can't, as a a coach or an executive, you can't really set the course for the organization without the owner understanding it. You know, I used to tell Modell all the time when we were in Cleveland that Belichick, I would say the program really can't do that, Art. And he would look at me like, this is my team. It's not a program. It's my team. And that was always the problem, right? Because we wanted to try to build a program. And so he would never set it. it. Look, We are who you want to be. You tell me what you want to be. If you want a fat team, we'll go out and get fat players. You want a skinny team, we'll get skinny players. But tell me as an owner, you need to tell me what you want as a culture. If you don't want anybody who has had off-the-field issues, then we won't touch them. But you got to give me direction and then don't second-guess when we don't take a guy that doesn't have that. And I think that's really important. That's what the book's about. When you enter the NFL as an owner, David Tepper just spent two point three million billion billion to buy the – the Carolina Panthers, and the first piece of advice he got from the league office and everybody around is they told him, running this football team is different than anything else you ever do in your businesses. And that's the biggest lie of all. Walsh would have told the man, your, your football team is just like your other businesses. Set the program, set the agenda, hire people to put the agenda in place, and then evaluate it. And I think that's what you need to do. And uh, unfortunately, that's what I wanted. To, that's what I want the book to be about is understanding that. I want the owners to read the book as much as anyone.
0: <laughs> well, I want you to sell more than thirty-two copies, please. Uh, but I, you know, but I think this is a book for business, also correct.
1: I, I, you know, Tom Peters read it. He wrote a nice forward. He wrote a nice uh, blurb for me on the on that. Yes, and that's really what I, you know, I, I want it to be a book that's because football is business. Football is business. We're in the same yeah. business as everybody else. We have the same problems, the same issues. We're not independent. Now, we are in the entertainment business, so we are more volatile because of the coverage and the and the one loss record is posted but it can't really affect you in that way and i think that that's what i tried to get across the book you got to make decisions that are hard you got to make decisions that are maybe not so popular that's why Belichick's so successful
0: you know one of the, one of the things that i uh, that i've i found uh, in, in dealing when Ch- great chuck and i had finished coaching together and i was still working but he he had retired as a head coach in the league And he was about 70. And all of a sudden, he called me up one day. He says, just read a great coaching book. And I said, really? You read a coaching book? And he says, yeah, good to great, Jim Collins. Got to get it. I said, Chuck, that's a business book. No, it's a coaching book. Every book he read, he applied to his craft. No doubt. It was coaching. And I I think that's what your book's going to do.
1: I hope so, and I I, I do the same thing. I mean, look, you've got to have a yellow highlighter and you've got to have a pen in your hand when you're reading a book because you can take a couple things Mm -hmm. from anyone's Mm -hmm. book and you can apply it to your your craft, and that's how you get better. You know, Henry Kissinger, I I learned this a long time ago. Henry Kissinger said this in his memoirs. When you go to Washington, you borrow on the intellectual power you bring and you can't renew it once you're there. And that's like coaching. Mm. Going to Washington and coaching are the same thing. You can't renew your intellectual power you have to be able to be prepared and how do you get prepared when you're off like these next four weeks i tweeted today about how coaches and most nfl coaches take these next four weeks off play golf hang out with their family but if they're not working on getting better as a coach in this month they're getting behind yeah and i think that's really important and so i i I think What Chuck had, that idea is exactly the same. You've got to take them all and utilize them. And and I've tried to do it in every book I've read.
0: You know, one of the things that uh, I I tell everyone when I'm either giving a clinic, speaking to a business group, I I tell them, please take any idea, anything you learned today, and just give me credit for it one time, and then you own it. And uh, and and my brother, I'm going to do that to your book i'm going to give you credit for it one time but then after that these are all my ideas this is going go to be ahead. one of the best things michael where where can we get the gridiron genius a master class in winning championships and building dynasties win nfl where would you recommend that uh, our listeners get it
1: if you go to my twitter page i have a i have a way to uh, pre-order the book The book comes out september 11th you can pre-order from my twitter page you can go to amazon and order it it's there on amazon and uh you know any uh, any Barnes and Noble, any of the websites you can pre-order now, which would be great, and and hopefully people will enjoy the book.
0: And, and you're one of the absolute best followers on Twitter, and they can follow you at
1: M Lombardi NFL at Twitter. I yeah. guess that's how it goes.
0: And and of course, we get to see you on television during the season.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll be on the Ringer. I do the Ringer. I do a, a weekly podcast. Uh, now in the off season called called the GM Street on the Ringer Podcast Network, and then during the season I do three a week, and which is also on the Ringer Podcast
0: Network. Well, you know, you're you're fantastic, and everyone that uh, has ever, you know, had the graciousness of, or uh, the good fortune, I mean, to work with you has just raved about you. I'm glad we finally got a chance to connect. Our coaches that are you know in there, we say there is no off season. There's only. An on-season to learn, and this has been incredibly helpful to them. Michael, thank you so much for sharing, and best of luck with the book.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Amazing, amazing, Michael Lombardi. Thank you so much for sharing. I love uh, getting the ideas from people like Michael that you know are all about sharing and growing. So many takeaways from this: the idea of reading to keep getting better, the idea of working on your craft. You know, no one's, uh, no one's about not taking vacations and stuff like that. I'm not trying to get you into that mindset. But we do love a growth mindset. And there's no way you can tell me how intent you are. I'm very intentional about growing and getting better if you're taking weeks off at a time. So no matter what you're working at, whether you're high school, college, or pro coach, you have to spend some time, some time, Every day or every other day, you got to work on your craft in the, quote, off-season. And that's that's one of the big things. But the idea that Michael has from his incredible research, but more importantly, his experience of being in the trenches with great football people and sharing it with us is something that you can't miss. You know, a lot of times people write books, and it's based on research. This guy lived it. And that's what – I don't care what sport you coach – Football, basketball, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you're a volleyball coach, field hockey. It's about coaching. It's about connecting with people. The Gridiron Genius, a master class in winning championships and building dynasties within the NFL, is a must-have. Coming out in early September, it's one of the first ones I'm going to get on my list. So a big thank you to Michael for helping us on that. And, uh, again, love what he's about and keep learning from people all around you. Till next week. This is the coach, Brendan Sir.